Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids and our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwinners, I'm joined by Cindy Darnell, a widely known and widely quoted sex and relationships therapist with degrees in adult education, clinical sexology, and narrative therapy, Cindy works with individuals, couples, and polycules in her New York City practice. She also publishes in academic publications, such as the Journal of Sexual and Relationship Therapy, and is quoted everywhere from the Washington Post and New York Magazine to the Guardian and Sydney Morning Herald. All of her work, including her sex and relationship workshops, are designed to deeply change people's lives which is one reason she's the only sexologist named on the Mind Body Green's Top 100 Women to Watch in 2015. All of which is to say, welcome, Cindy. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Ah, oh, thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners. We usually like think of a number or a stat or something. And I thought, oh, I think we all know any numbers that have to relate to the pandemic. Uh, so I thought, let's talk about what's happening to us in terms of our relationships with the pandemic? I yeah. Think, what are you hearing? What do you know? What's happening to us? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it really depends. For single people, it's an especially tough time because it's not impossible to go out and date right now, but it's not as easy as it was this time last year, let's say. Yeah. And then for people who are in relationships where they live together, a lot of those folks are sick of looking at each other. They've really had it up to had it up to Never. here, as they say. <laughs> and then for those who are in relationships but not living together, especially perhaps if it's a long-distance relationship or there's a bit of space between them, oh yeah, that's really difficult because they can still kind of get together but they kind of can't and then couples have to decide between themselves, do we quarantine, do we not quarantine, do we have rapid tests, do we have regular tests, how right. reliable are they? If I've got to get on a plane and I had a negative test, will I still be negative by the time? All that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of hoo-ha going on. But I did read this morning in the New York Times that Pfizer, am I allowed to say brand name? Yeah, for sure. There's a hot take that they might have their shit together enough that they're, they're onto something. So right. maybe this is going to be over soon-ish. Who knows? You know, with a lot of the talk or the stories that you read, especially we're recording this right going into the holiday season, it's a lot about like your relationship with your parents and getting together with friends. But I don't know that because it's not my first world, but that people are talking about relationships, but it's a massive part of our lives and not just about like bringing COVID into our parents' homes, but like how it's impacting us to have a loving relationship with a partner. Yeah, and it's impacting everybody. And even though statistically it looks like it affects older people more yeah. than younger people, even still, there is still an effect. If it doesn't kill you, it's certainly going to give you strife for some time, which is not a whole right. lot of fun. And render you difficult to work, difficult to be around if you're living in group <laughs> there's that. in group housing, you know, if you've got roommates, then you're kind of screwed as well. And if you're living by yourself, you're still screwed because you can't do anything. And it's just not good all around. No, it's not. Just that pressure alone right. just adds a whole added dimension to, no, I'm not into thinking about my relationship. I just... <laughs> 
need to get through today. You know? Exactly. Like, am I making dinner again? Yeah, oh, exactly. great. <laughs> and then on the flip side, you know, Jen, it's, it's, it's also been an extraordinary year of slowing down. And I've mm. never been busier, I have to say. My practice yeah, has been booming through this time because people are not distracted by anything else except themselves, which is not necessarily a yeah. good thing. But what it has meant is that what folks have been putting off in terms of their sex and relationships is now in the foreground because now they have to deal with it. And they are. And yeah. that's a good thing. I think. Well, I feel like in the world that I travel in, like podcasts I listen to or shows that I watch, that the idea that you would invest in yourself through therapy mm. and that you would go and you would you would ask for help. Like this is a point that I can't seem to push my way through. No, but you know, like I just can't put my head down and just like, I'll survive this, that there is a need to get a little expert guidance when it comes to thinking about these things, these problems that have popped up, questions I have, concerns I have. And I think one of the biggest myths that we believe about sex and relationships is that they're natural and that we believe that the skills required to navigate relationships and, and sex are, you know, quote unquote, soft skills. And frankly, there's nothing soft about these skills. They're some of the hardest skills you're going to learn because they really push you to your edges of what you think is important, what you think is valuable, Mm -hmm. what you're prepared to do, what you're not prepared to do, what you're prepared to risk, what you're prepared to forego. I mean, the reason that people avoid this stuff is not because it's soft. It's because it's actually really hard. But we get to a point in life where if we want to have connections, like really meaningful connections, and this is even with friendships too, you know, I think we tend to default to relationships being about a a partner and a lover and somebody that you live with who you have sex with. And I think that's really just too narrow, you know, for the history of humans, as long as humans have been on the planet, which is, you know, sometime. We've only been living in these kind of, you know, nuclear families and domestic little clusters for really only several hundred years. Prior to that, for thousands and thousands of years, we've lived in much larger configurations. We've had very different family structures, very different economic pressures or lack thereof. And I'm not saying that we should all go back to living like we lived 5,000 years ago necessarily. There were terrible things happening then. There's terrible things happening now. But just in context for people who struggle with sex and relationships, I always want to remind people that we're really at a real kind of pivot point in terms of human evolution because folks have never really done this before. And especially our generation, we're really the first generations ever, especially in the history of women, because that's kind of who we're talking to on this podcast. Mm to have the abundance of choices that we have now. And that is empowering and it's really fucking overwhelming as well. <laughs> you know? So with freedom yeah. comes great responsibility. And yeah. and when it comes to sex and relationships, I mean, there's a lot of other problems that women have got to deal with. But when it comes to sex and relationships, it's a much more textured and nuanced thing than just who's my partner and and am I going to have an orgasm? There's a lot more going on. And that's really the end of the spectrum that I really kind of hang out in, the deeper, richer end. And also friendships, like all these, you know, hoo-ha about you've got to have a partner and 
you know, you've got to find the one and all this stuff. I just, I don't buy it. I've been working in this for 20 years and I just think it's horse shit, you know. I think you get connection with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations, but going back to the idea of skills, it's learned. You have to put in the effort. If you want good relationships with lovers or friends or your kids or whoever, you have to put in the effort. And if you don't, you'll be lonely. And that's just how it is. (laughs) 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 Well, well, and part of that is also it's socialized into us. You know, I think that like somehow you already know what you're supposed to know and and then I was telling you previously that when I was at Healthy Women, I was talking to an OBGYN who blew my mind when she said, well, you know, uh, reproductive sexual health, from our standpoint, it's mostly about how to get pregnant and how not to get pregnant. Right. Those are your, that's your, that's your access. Right. Maybe, and sexually transmitted diseases, okay, that too, but that's about it. And then she's like, you know, they never talk about pleasure yeah exactly and who has sex to make babies nobody well very few people yeah and then that's a specific point of your life if you're going down that right. road then it becomes like it's always uh infertility things uh-huh. and then it does and i just think like the medical talks we're having with that part of our health is all about function right and that's the thing uh, when you take the baby out of it which I mean, if you're just having baby sex, you've got to time it to your cycle and it's like, okay, quick, let's go. I mean, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that kind of sex, the focus there is very kind of goal-oriented with a very specific goal. (laughs) And again, I mean, obviously you need medical help with that. That's something that folks can seek if that's what they're looking for. Yeah, but that's one chapter. Right. But the medical narrative focuses only on that. Talking to doctors about sex and you talk to them about pleasure most of them just kind of glaze over. They don't have anything to say about it because they're not trained in it. So no disrespect to the doctors who might be listening. I know that you guys are just not trained in this stuff, but part of the deal is that for a lot of people, the first place they will go to will be their doctor or their OBGYN to get sex advice, and they are not the people you should be going to for sex advice because they don't have any. They don't know. They don't get the training. You know, They're really good (laughs) at you know, cutting you open and giving you ointment and whatever else doctors have to do, they are not very good at erotic management because that's not what they're trained in. And so I've been doing a lot of writing. I do a newsletter on midlife women's health. And and it made me think when we were talking before that that's the way menopause and sex tends to focus on is painful sex, vaginal dryness, painful sex. And that's all function too. We're all about solving that problem. Right. And then what? Right, exactly. (laughs) And then what? And that's the thing. And so, yes, vaginal dryness is a thing. And yes, painful sex is a thing. And then there's also the kind of questions that we have to ask is, well, what kind of sex are you having? Because a lot of women, depending on their choice of partners, if they're with a male partner and they're with a male partner who they've been with for a long time, there might not have been any room in the relationship to talk about, hey, let's try something different. And when I propose, especially to heterosexual couples, when I propose the concept of sex that doesn't involve penis in vagina, they look at me like I've got three heads because (laughs) it's just, you know, this thing, again, this default to, but well, what is sex if it's not penis in vagina? And 
then, you know, my follow-up question is, you know that lesbians exist, right? You know that gay men exist, right? <laughs> there is no, you know, well, there's penises and vaginas in different configurations. But the thing is the research shows us, and this I'm not making this up, the research shows us without shadow of a doubt the most sexually satisfied women on the planet are lesbians, right? Yeah. I say that like I know. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's actually data that this is true. But what we can deduce from this is you think, oh, well, it's the anatomy. We know how the bits work. We can, you know, I've driven that kind of car before. I know how it works. And you look to a degree that certainly would help. However, what the research says is it's not just familiarity with the anatomy that assists in regards to that. Mm -hmm. It's got to do with the kinds of sexual activities that women who have sex with women engage in. And the blockbuster here is that men can do that stuff too. So for people who are listening, women who are in relationships with men, it's really about actually expanding your erotic repertoire and exploring things that are not penis in vagina sex as the sole thing. Or you can do penis in vagina sex if you want to, but if it's hurting you and if your husband or your partner is an older fella too, he may be struggling to get it up. He may feel embarrassed about that. He may feel like if I can't get hard, then what's the point? And the truth is soft penises can feel pleasure just as much as hard penises. It's different, but it's about expanding, you know, as we're kind of, you know, getting on a bit. We have to start expanding our conversations about sex to take it away from this ideal of being thin and hard-bodied and flexible and up against the wall like we maybe could do it when we were in our teens and 20s if we even did it in our teens and 20s like that. (laughs) No one does. Right, you know, through to now in our 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, to really have richer conversations about what is pleasure? How do I want to feel? And interestingly, when I speak to women about this stuff and I say to them, you know, what kind of things do you like sexually? Overwhelmingly, they say, I don't know. Yeah. You know? And so this is where the conversation actually begins is, are you willing to explore and expand that? Because Jen, if I say to you, do you like Ethiopian food? What would you say to me? Yes, I do. Right. I do. How do you I... know that you like it? <laughs> Because I've had it. There you go. We need to apply that same principle to sex. We need to be willing to try stuff. There's no way you're going to know what you like if you haven't tried it. So if all you've ever done is penis in vagina sex and you're about as impressed with that as you are by going to the dentist and having a dental exam, it's no wonder, (laughs) right? So exploring your palate, trying the, the equivalent of Ethiopian, trying the equivalent of Japanese, trying the equivalent of Sri Lankan, Stuff that you wouldn't normally do, but you're going to do because you want to experience a variety of pleasures and sensations that often take time, that often allow for slowing down rather than speeding up. And sometimes, you know, you might need some guidance, a book, an online class, you know, a counseling session, whatever it is. There's no shame in this. And this is, again, where I come back to these so-called soft skills. It's hard. What I'm suggesting to people to do is is quite, you know, new and revolutionary. But for people who want to experience more from their sex lives, this is how you do it. Yeah. And the word that comes into my mind is, and it's also grown up. Yes. You know, like this is about all the stripes, all the ways you've changed as an adult and how you've decided to be who you are. 
why not enjoy right. it? Exactly. So, you know, I mean, there's an element of risk taking in this. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be like massive risks. You're not pushing yourself way, way, way out of your comfort zone. <laughs> okay. You thank know? you. <laughs> so I'm not advocating for a full kind of sexual revolution. I'm just suggesting that you try something that's not. So when do people come to you? Like when does the Between idea the hours of-, of noon and eight? No, <laughs> I know that's not what you meant, but that's where my mind went. <laughs> too funny. Uh, what are the sort of questions that they ask themselves as they're like, you know what? I do need help. With yeah. This. You know, is it, is it a crisis always or mm, is it sometimes I'm hoping that it's not, no, you know, that, sometimes it is usually because I sort of specialize in a slightly more kind of curly and complicated situations. So Generally speaking, you know, folks can self-diagnose with stuff off the internet, and I use the term diagnosis very loosely. In the majority of cases, people don't have a condition that needs a diagnosis. In the majority of cases, people are just having a very reasonable, normal reaction to a culture that's a bit twisted and and uncomfortable (laughs) with sex, right? So that's not a diagnosis. That's just life. Yeah. That said, women will want to explore pleasure. They'll have this sense within that's like, I know there's something more and I know that I'm Mm. missing something, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Women who were brought up in quite religious households who may or may not still identify as religious in their adulthood will often struggle to reconcile around their bodies and shame. So I do a lot of that kind of work. Yeah. Women who in their 30s, 40s, 50s discover that they are actually attracted to women, even if they had been attracted to men all of their life when they've got babies and done all of the conventional heterosexual things, they have this awakening in later life that's like, oh, my gosh, I want to be with women. And so they come to talk about that. They will come to talk about or just relationship stuff. I don't only do sex stuff, I do relationship stuff too. So, you know, transitioning from one kind of relationship to another or their partner has died and they want to start dating again. How do they do that? Or Mm -hmm. they feel disconnected with their partner and then their partner, I'll do couples counseling with them around how to talk about feelings, how to talk about connecting, how to how to enrich the relationship so they're not just going through the motions waiting for death. There's actually something else there. I'd much rather talk to you <laughs> than, than think <laughs> you know, I mean, if those are my choices, right, we're exactly. very binary. For such a wide-ranging practice that you have, we're very binary in this conversation. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, But that's the thing because I really like to encourage people to know that sex and pleasure and relationships are choices. They're not, if you feel that stirring inside that's telling you there's something more, guess what? There is. There actually is. And it's not going to land in your lap. But if you open the door just a little bit and put your toe out just a little bit, there is really a world of possibility. And it's not so much about having you know, creating a performance or, you know, an Instagram worthy life. It's more about you developing that richer connection to yourself, that richer connection to the people around you. And doing that through the vehicle of eroticism is really, really nourishing. And it's not sleazy and it's not childish. It's not juvenile. It's incredibly intimate. 
and very, very rewarding for those who are interested in pursuing it. And it's often a chapter that we don't tend to read in our own books, you know? So I like that. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on The Breadwinners. You're very welcome. (laughs) You know I could talk about this for hours. (laughs) Me too. I'm sorry, we'll have you back when the pandemic ends and then we can talk about how to go... Go be free and let our freak flag fly in new ways. Let's do that. Let's do that indeed. Our guest today was Cindy Darnell, and you'll find links to what we were talking about today in the episode description wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit us anytime at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com to ask a question, share your story, offer some feedback. How are you making it work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. It helps us grow. Let us know what you think about the podcast and help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.